Well, because of the job that I've ha I have, I've thought a lot about this question. The question, what does every human being have in common? I mean, regardless of age, color of skin, background, social status, spiritual beliefs, what, what, is, what does every human being have in common? Is there something, you know, a desire, a want, a need that we all have in common? I thought a lot th about this question a lot because if there is something that we all have in common, it, help re it helps reveal what motivates and what drives all of us to act, to behave, and feel the way that we do in different circumstances and different situations in life. Well, through just my job and talking to thousands of people and observation and my own experience and study of scripture, I've concluded that yes, there is something that every person has in common. And what I believe that is, is the desire for true relational connection. I mean, we all desire, we all long for relationships of true connection where we love one another, encourage one another, care for one another, challenge one another, laugh and cry with one another, celebrate and mourn with one another, are truly known by one another, unconditionally accepted by one another, can completely be ourselves with one another, are committed to one another, trust one another, sharpen one another, have intimate companionship with one another. We desire this with our family, our friends, our coworkers, our teammates, classmates, each other. And I think this is the number one reason people get married. It's the number one reason people join fraternities and sororities. It's the number one reason people seek new friendships. It's the number one reason people go to the same bars on Friday nights. It's the number one reason that young people join gangs. It's the number one reason people engage in church or, or, or join a tea life group. We long for, we desire, we search for true relational connection from a young age all throughout life. And I believe the reason we all have this in common is because of it's how God created us. When we read Genesis, the, the first book of our Bible, we see that as God is in the midst of creating humanity, he said it's not good for man to be alone. The, the reason we all desire true relational connection is because it's how we're hardwired by creator God. It's, it's, it's God's fingerprints on all of us. My question for you is, are you experiencing that? Are you experiencing true relational connection in your marriage? With your kids? With your parents? With your friends? At school? With your small group here at Relevant? Now come on, if we're being honest, many of us would say no. Many of us would, would say we feel disconnected from deep, meaningful, authentic, intimate, healthy, life-giving relationships. And numerous studies prove that we feel this way. Studies show that 50% of people feel alone, even though we're surrounded by people all the time. Studies show that 54% of people uh, say that no one truly knows them. This includes married people. Husband's saying, my, my wife does not truly know me. Or wife saying, my husband does not truly know me. Uh, studies show that 40% of people say they don't have any meaningful relationships. This includes our spouses, our kids, our parents, those we're in small groups with. 
Furthermore, studies show that the younger you are, the more disconnected you are. Studies show that Gen Z is the most lonely generation. We all desire true relational connection, but we're, if we're being honest, many of us are living disconnected from authentic, real, life-giving, intimate relationships. And this disconnection, it doesn't come without a cost. Living disconnected hurts our relationship with God. Last series, in the Art of Neighboring series, we looked at Matthew 22, where Jesus was asked, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing to God? And he narrowed it down to two things. Narrowed it down to two things. The most important thing to God is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Essentially, what Jesus was saying is, you can't connect with God, and you can't love God if you aren't connecting with others and loving others. You can't separate the vertical relationship from the horizontal relationships. It's not how it works. Listen, when we don't have true relational connection with people, specifically other followers of Christ, we will eventually disconnect relationally from God. And when that happens, we stop experiencing the life and the hope and the peace and the joy and the fulfillment that only God can give and the transforming work that he wants to do in you because, as we say all the time, transformation doesn't happen in isolation. Furthermore, living disconnected negatively impacts our health. We all know that depression and anxiety and hopelessness and suicide are on the rise. Is it possible that some of the reason for that is because we're living relationally, because living relationally disconnected is also on the rise. I think those two things are more linked than we can possibly ever know. Living disconnected, it destroys our relationships. The more disconnected we feel, the more physically and the more emotionally we disconnect from people at home, at church, at school, at work. And the more that happens, the more we say and think, think things like, no one loves me. No one's there for me. No one knows me. No one cares for me. And we feel that way, so we disconnect physically and emotionally more and more and more. And then we blame them, and we blame her, and we blame him for it. And that does nothing but destroy our current relationships and the potential to relationally connect with anyone because we become bitter and resentful and angry, and we can't have true relational connection with that poison in our hearts. We all desire true relational connection, but if we're being honest, many of us are living disconnected. Because God hardwired us for it, living disconnected from authentic, real, intimate, life-giving relationships, it's destructive in our relationship with him. It's destructive in our relationship to ourselves. It's destructive in our relationship with our current and our future relationships. The question is why? Like this doesn't make sense. We live in a sea of people. I mean, we have people around us all the time. Most of us live with people. And in 2023, we can connect faster and easier with people than ever before in hist history. We live in a world that's more connected than ever, yet we feel more relationally disconnected at home, at church, at school, in our friendships, at work, in our marriages than ever before. Why? Why? Well, I think a huge reason why is that true is because true relational connection requires healthy interaction. True relational connection requires healthy interaction. Why do so many of us feel disconnected? Because we're living that way by not interacting in relationally healthy ways. We 
We all desire true relational connection, but many of us aren't experiencing it. And as much as we want to blame him or her or them for it, you and I are just as much at fault because many of the ways that you and I choose to interact is causing us to live disconnected. So here's what we're going to do throughout this series. Over the next three weeks, we're going to look at three relational disconnects that prevent us from interacting in healthy ways that most of us are guilty of. Three relational disconnects that may be preventing you from experiencing true relational connection with your spouse, your parents, your kids, your friends, your teammates, the people in your small group. Three relational disconnects that have the potential to destroy your relationships. And then we're going to identify how to respond to each of these in a way that's wise, that's healthy, and that's God-glorifying. Listen, this series, it's not going to be philosophical because that's not going to be helpful to anyone. This series is going to be extraordinarily practical. So listen, regardless of who you are, how long you've been a part of Relevance, your first time, you've been here forever, if you call yourself a follower of Christ or not, how young you are, how old you are, regardless of who you are, I encourage you to apply what we talk about because if you do, it will help you improve your current relationships. It can help you mend your hurting relationships and it may even help you heal some broken relationships. And it will position you to be someone that other people want to and can have a true relational connection with. The first relational disconnect that we're looking at today that most, if not all, of us are guilty of is living in a constant state of distraction. So many of us are living in such a constant state of distraction that we can't possibly have healthy interaction. We can't possibly develop and experience true relational connection with anyone. And what's causing many of us to live in this constant state of distraction is not the pressures of life. It's not all the things we have to do. It's not a high demanding job. It's not stress. It's something much more concrete than that. It's something we have literally put in our hands. It's something that we spend hundreds of dollars on. It's something that we are choosing. It's much something that most of us cannot imagine living without. It's something that's here to stay. It's something that we have with us all the time, and it's something everyone else does too. Anyone guess what it is? Here it is. Now, young people, you don't remember life before smartphones. Us old people do. I can remember when you actually had to be at the office or at home for someone to call you, and you can only walk 10 feet because your face was attached to a cord that was attached to the wall that was attached to the phone. I can remember the first cell phone. The first cell phone, and all you could do was make calls. It was just a phone, but it flipped open, and it was awesome. right? And, but no one called anybody because it was $12 a minute. Like, so you didn't, you didn't dare pick this thing up. I can remember the first text message I got. It was from one of my students when I was doing student ministry. I didn't even know what a text message was. No one did. I thought I was getting, like, spam. And he texted me. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't even know how to respond to it. I thought it was fake. And then I learned how to text using T9. Yeah, young people, you don't even understand what T9 is. You guys have keyboards on your phone. This was a whole different world. And then I can remember the first smartphone. And at that point in time, we got a first smartphone. It's like we didn't have all these apps. We just got it because you had a camera and you didn't have to have an iPod anymore. So you didn't have to carry an iPod or a digital camera around. You had a, I mean, this thing is just so convenient. And what started as convenience has now become an addiction 
for many of us. We are constantly attached to. We are constantly looking at these devices. And as a result, we're constantly distracted from having healthy, if or any, interaction with people who are physically with us at home, at the dinner table, at school, in our small group. We are physically in the room with our spouses and in the room with our friends and in the room with our small group and in the room with our kids and in the room with our parents, but we're not relationally present with them. We go out to dinner, and this is what it often looks like. I mean, next time you go out to dinner, just look around the restaurant. Everyone's, look around your own table. Everyone's just staring at their phones. You go on a date with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, and this is the depth of our interaction. My niece and her husband, he's finishing up his final uh, year of college. They live with us so he can finish out school. They rent out our basement. And every morning they come up and they have breakfast together at the, at the, at the, uh, at the table because they're newly married. And that's what you do is you have breakfast together. I've been married 23 years. We never have breakfast together. <laughs> <laughs> but they sit at the breakfast table eating, both staring at their phones. I've never heard them say a word to one another because they're both staring at their phones. For They never talk. Never. We're hanging out in the living room with our family, right? And this is what we all end up doing, hanging out in the living room with our family, just staring at our phones. I'm on my kids all the time about being on their phones and we're in the room. And my kids a few months ago said, Dad, we literally talk to you and ask you questions. And you have no idea that we're even asking you a question. You completely ignore us. And they're right. I do this too. Or you go to the gym, and between sets, here's this guy. I want to kill this guy. Like, taking up the bench, look, like, on his phone. Or we go walking down the street. Young people, you know this. You're walking down the school. You're walking down the hallway at school. You're not even looking up. Everyone's just looking down at their phone. Right? I mean, someone put their foot out in front of you, you'd fall right on your face. We all would. I mean, <laughs> and, and instead of interacting with our kids or making them pay attention, what do we do? We hand them a freaking phone. And as you know, they're immediately shut off from anyone and everyone around them. Some of us are completely distracted every Sunday morning we show up here. I know this because I can see all of you. <laughs> You're so attached to this. You're completely distracted from being able to be relation, from relationally connect with each other or with God. Bottom line, what's causing us to live in a constant state of distraction are the devices in our hands that we're constantly attached to and many of us are addicted to. And some of you go, Ronnie, you're wrong. My phone is actually helping me relationally connect with other people. And I'll talk more about this next week, but let me just say this today. No, it isn't. It's making you think you're relationally connecting, but true relational connect, connect, connection cannot happen through text messages, through emails, through direct messages, through Instagram, or through Snapchat. <laughs> it's a facade. It makes us think we're truly connecting, but in reality, it's distracting us from having healthy interaction with the people we are with. Now listen, old people, I know what you're thinking. I'm one of you. You're like, 
man, those young people up front need to listen to this message. <laughs> I wish my daughter was here. I wish my son, I wish my grandkid was here. I'm going to send them this message later because they need to hear this. Listen, listen, old people. Living in a constant state of distraction because of these bad boys right here is not just a young people problem. Us older people, we may even have a bigger problem with them. My dad, before a year ago, never had a smartphone. He only had a flip phone. A year ago, after my mom died, he got her smartphone. It was like giving crack to a crack addict. It was like, I mean, my dad, we will be in the room, and he will be over on, the, on his chair with this phone and his stylist, because evidently fingers don't work on his phone, with his stylist. And I've had to stop, I go, Dad, is what you're doing on your phone right now more important than connecting with your grandkids? And it, yeah, it, evidently it is. Being constantly distracted by these vice, devices in our hands, it is impacting all of us, young people, old people. What, do, what you, what I, what we all have in common is the desire for relational connection. But desire and experience, two separate things. Don't miss what I'm going to say next. To experience true relational connection, we must be where our feet are. To experience true relational connection with our spouse, with our kids, with our friends, with our small group, with our parents, with our coworkers, with our teammates, you and I must be fully present where our feet are. We must be fully present when we are with them. This is a principle, a relational principle that's true all the time. And the reason this principle is true in our relationships with other people is because it's actually a principle that we see Jesus stress over and over and over when it comes to experiencing relational connection with him. One of those times is found in a very familiar story that involved two women named Mary and Martha found in Luke 10. Now before we quickly look at this passage, you got, you got to remember this. The entire reason that Jesus came to this earth was to establish a saving keyword relationship with us. That means everything that Jesus did and said should be filtered through a relational lens, not a religious lens. And what that also means is that the things that he talked about that grow and deepen our relationship with him can and will grow and deepen our relationship with our family, with our friends, with each other, when they are properly applied in a healthy way within the context of those relationships. So here's how the story goes. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. So Jesus and his disciples, they get to this village, the village, is the village of Bethany. And by this time in, his, in Jesus' ministry, Jesus has made a name for himself because the miracles that he performed, he was kind of a big deal. People knew him. So everyone in, in Bethany noticed when Jesus showed up. Well, Martha, who had a sister named Mary, immediately invited, invites Jesus and his disciples over for, for dinner. Now, Jesus actually ended up having a very close relationship with Mary and Martha. But we don't know what their relationship was like here. This could have been the first time they met. They could have met each other before. We don't really know. All we know is Jesus shows up. Mary and Martha see Jesus and his disciples. They run over to him and go, Jesus, we've just heard so many amazing things about you. We want to get to know you better, and we want to develop a friendship with you, Jesus. Would you and your guys like to come over to our house for dinner? Jesus accepted, and him and the disciples, they head to Martha's home for dinner. And once they're there, Jesus and his disciples, they sit down in the living room, and Mary did what you'd expect anyone to do who wanted to relationally connect with someone else. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Mary strategically placed herself right in front of Jesus to listen to him, 
to hear from him, to talk to him. She was fully present. She was locked in to interacting with him. But Martha, but Martha wasn't in the living room. But Martha wasn't interacting with Jesus. Even though the entire reason that Martha invited him over was to relationally connect with him. And why wasn't Martha sitting right next to Mary? Because Martha was, here's our word, distracted. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Mar Listen, Martha wasn't distracted by, from relationally connected by what we're relationally distracted with. She didn't have one of these bad boys. She was distracted by the obligations and the responsibilities that she felt that she had to feed Jesus and feed the disciples. And this distraction, it wasn't a bad thing, but it was a relational distraction nonetheless. She was physically in the same house as Jesus, but she was distracted from being fully present to experience relational connection with him. Well, it didn't take long for, for Martha to know this, that Mary wasn't helping her. And the moment that she noticed, she immediately became resentful. And so she did what any mature adult would do. She went and told on Mary. She, Martha, came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I don't know why Martha said, you know, why Martha said something to Jesus instead of Mary. I don't know why she said what she said, what she said to Jesus. But maybe it was because she was hoping that Jesus would justify that what she was distracted by was more important than just sitting there being with him. Sitting there connecting with them. Sitting there being with Mary. But Jesus didn't justify it. Because what was most important to Jesus in that moment for Mary and for Martha was them relationally connecting with him and him relationally connecting with them. That's the only reason he went to their house. It wasn't to have dinner. So Jesus said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. He said, Martha, what you're distracted by has made you anxious. It's made you worried. Now, real quick, how many times has an email, a text message, a social media post, a snap, not only distracted you from being fully present with the people that you're with, but has also filled you with anxiousness, has also filled you with stress, and has also made you upset. I would guess numerous times. I can't tell you how many times I've been hanging out with my family, and I've gotten a bad text from someone. And not only has it distracted me and made me completely disengaged relationally from them, but it has ruined my entire night. And I'm assuming the same thing has happened to all of us. Being constantly attached to these devices are causing us to live in a constant state of distraction. That's not only preventing us from experiencing true relational connection, but it's also hurting ourselves and negatively impacting our emotional and mental well-being. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Jesus was literally saying here, only one thing is necessary, Martha. 
Only one thing is most important, Martha, and that one thing is having a true relational connection with me. Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen to experience true relational connection with me by being fully present, by being where her feet are. And Martha, it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from her by you or by any other distraction. Now, real quick, let me just talk to those of you who are not followers of Christ, those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus. Just real quick, want to say something to you right here. Like Mary and Martha, Jesus wants to have a true relational connection with you and wants you to experience a true relational connection with him. It's why he came. Jesus himself said the entire reason that God sent him was to seek and to save those who are, who are lost. Those who have a broken relationship with holy creator God because of their violation of sin against him. And that's you and 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 me and every single person. Jesus was clear that our heavenly father sent him on a mission to forgive us for our violation of sin against him. And to restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him in this life and in the next. That's what Jesus died on the cross for. And that's what Jesus rose from the grave to prove that only he can do. And all we have to do to enter into that saving relationship is like Mary. Just come to him like we are. And we come to him like we are by putting our faith in him, asking him to be the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives and saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. And there's never any pressure to do that. But if today, if you've never done it and you feel it's stirring, you want to come into that relationship, that saving relationship, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus before we leave here today. But for those of us who are followers of Christ, what Jesus was implying to Martha and what he would say to you and to me today is, if you want to experience true relational connection with me, then you need to be fully present with me. Now, this relational principle doesn't just apply to your relationship with Jesus. This is a relational principle that can and should be applied to experiencing true relational connection with others as well. To experience true relational connection, we must be where our feet are. To experience true relational connection with our spouses, with our kids, with our friends, with our small group, with our parents, with our coworkers, with our teammates. You and I must be fully present where our feet are. We must be fully present when we're with them because that's the only way that we'll be ever be able to have healthy interaction with them. Being constantly distracted by these devices are a constant distraction from being able to do just that. So, the next step that we should all take is very, very obvious. Everyone, throw your phones away. <laughs> Let's pray and go home. All the middle school students are like, mm-mm, because it's crack. <laughs> Let's just pray and go home. Now, we all know that's not going to happen. So what do we do? Because nothing's going to change and we walk outside of these doors. What do we do as people who are so addicted to these? And I don't have the perfect remedy. I struggle with this as well. What I do have is a practice. A practice that if applied will, be, will really help you be fully present where your feet are because it's really helped me. This is a practice that I call the practice of sacred pause. 
And I use the word sacred because I believe pausing in the four ways that I'm going to challenge you to when it comes to this device right here, it, it, the, the device that we have in our hands all the time, is God honoring. Here's the first way. Pause from browsing. And what I mean by that is when, pe when people are in the room with you, don't engage in browsing on your phone. Looking at social media, watching YouTube, looking at TikTok, reading emails, responding to text messages, playing games, updating your fantasy roster. To be where your feet are when, when, uh, when you want to pick this bad boy up and browse on it when people are in the room. The second you notice you're doing it, pause and put it back down. Now for most of us, this will require some intentional practice because we are so addicted to these bad boys. We can't even make it through dinner. We can't make it through a movie. We can't make it through a conversation. We can't make it through anything. I mean, just think about it. Whenever there's a lull in anything on any level, whenever at any point in time, what is all of our immediate reactions? Whenever there's a lull, just to pick it up and start browsing stuff. We all do it because we're all, this is crack. We're all addicted to it. Immediately, we're like, well, I'll just look real quick. You send out the stoplight. We can't even make it through a stoplight. <laughs> I better look real quick. Second, pause and post later. Here's what that means. We all love it. Young high school girls really love it. We're together. You got to get the perfect Instagram picture. You know. I'm not going to lie, I do the same thing. Like if you take a picture with me, I'm going to flex my, my tricep so it comes out a little bit stronger, has a little definition. I'm just going to do it. And then what do we want to do? We want to post it right now. And so we take the picture and we stop and we start posting that bad boy. We're like, hee, hee. You know, we're posting it. And what has that done? It's completely distracted us from the people we're with. And then we can't post it and just leave it alone. We got to look to see if people are commenting and if people are liking it. And what if they didn't like it? We know they saw it. It's nothing but a distraction. Posting now is a distraction. For me, it's a huge distraction because it takes me forever to post something because I'm old and I type really slow. Listen, to be where your feet are, when you take a picture, pause and post it on social media later when you're by yourself. Third, pause from responding now. We've all gotten emails, direct messages, text messages, snaps when we're with our family on a date, at small group sitting at the dinner table, having a conversation with someone, and our natural tendency is to respond right now. Come on. Doing so distracts us from being fully present from the people we are with. So to be where your feet are, pause from responding right now, and do it later when you're by yourself. Well, they'll be wondering where I'm at. And what if I left it unopened? Who cares? Like, listen, here's the deal. People get mad at me because I don't respond to their text right away. And you know what I tell them? I pay my bill, you don't. This is not a leash around my neck. If you want to be controlled by everyone in your life, wrap this leash around your neck and respond to everyone the second they want you to respond to them. And you will become a slave to everyone. So go ahead and be a slave if you'd like to. I'm not going to. And I don't think you should either. Now, here's my final one. I'm getting real worked up, real good about this. 
Here's my final one. Pause from being tempted at all. Listen, so many of us are so addicted to our phones that it may not be possible to pause from browsing, to pause from posting later, to pause from responding now when you're with people. Because you just can't help yourself. My sister-in-law is one of these people. And I pick on her because I have to pick on someone. My sister-in-law, we are literally playing cards at the table. And between hands, she has to look at it. And she sits down and she does this as it's sitting on the table. And then we play our hand, card, our hand and, she does it, and she's back on it. And I'm like, Natalie, what are you doing? Like, be here. She's like, it just helps me focus. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's distracting you from any level of conversation of, with any of us. If that's you, which it's many of us, to be where your feet are, you may need from, to pause from being tempted by your addiction at all. And there's many ways to do this. Turn off notifications. Put on the don't disturb feature. Delete apps that are distracting you. If you just can't, if you can't, I can't pause from this app. Delete it. You'll survive. Maybe don't have it at the dinner table. Put it somewhere where you can't see it. But leave it in the other room. Leave it in the other room. I never, ever, ever take my cell phone with me into my bedroom. Ever. Never. It never enters there. It always gets plugged in and left somewhere else. Leave it at home. <gasps> my senior daughter, Grace, last week we were going on a date, my, my daughter and I. And before we were going on a date, her friends were blowing up her phone, just blowing it up. And it was like causing her anxiousness and stress. And so my, we're walking out the house, and she goes, I'm going to leave my phone here because I know I won't be able to talk. I won't be able to be there with you if I have my phone with her. She left it at the house, and guys, she's still alive. Like, she's still alive. Like, I know it's crazy, but she's still breathing today. She made it. Listen, these four, ways of, these four ways of practicing a sacred pause when it comes to the device in our hands, they aren't perfect. But I believe will help you be where your feet are and not live in a constant state of distraction. And I know some of you have no desire to do this. And you have no intention of doing this. And you're completely ignoring everything I say. And you're not sure how you would survive. And you're relationally connecting with everyone great. And everyone has a great relationship with you. You have a great relationship with everyone. And you're just the most fabulous person ever to exist. And nothing distracts you. And so you're totally ignoring me. Awesome. You do you. See how it goes. But for those of you, I know there's a lot of you who really want to. You understand how distracted you are. And for some of you who want to be where your feet are, you're going to be able to easily able to do some of these suggestions. Others of you are going to have a very, very, very hard time. And so you need to help each other out. Let's help each other out with this. When you see someone, listen, when you see someone in small group, rooted small group, next gen small group, T-Life group, on their phone during small group, call them out and make them put it away. Make them put it away. Make them put it away. Like go, no, 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 no. If you're going to be on it, don't be here. Don't be here. Because you're here because you want to connect. If you want to connect with all those people, go be with those people. Like, you should go be with them. Listen, when your parents, young people, when your parents are on their phone, call them out. Like, call your parents out. Listen, and then when you're with someone who doesn't care, they don't, you don't care. They don't care. Assess if you really want to be someone who spends time with that person. Because they're not really spending time with you. Even though they are physically Present and parents, let me just talk to parents real quick of kids, birth through high school. Let me just talk to you just real fast because I have two high schoolers. Your kids will probably not want to do this. And even if they want to, they're going to have a hard time doing this because they're addicted. I encourage you to make them practice a sacred pause when it comes to their devices. People with young kids, real young kids, listen, 
pause from letting them have a phone as long as possible. My kids didn't get a phone until they were in high school. They're still alive. They made it. Help them pause. Pause and make them put it in the other room at times. Don't let them have them at the dinner table. If they, listen, if an app is causing them to be constantly distractive, de- make them delete the app. TikTok is the worst. And you know what's going to happen when, when you delete the app from their phone? You know what's going to happen? They'll survive. Because they were living before the app, and they'll be able to live after it. It's going to be okay. And they're going to fight with you. And they're going to argue with you. But do it for the relationship. Do it for them. We've done this with our kids. And it's helped them mentally. It's helped them emotionally. It's helped us connect with one another. And listen, parents, it's not too late. If you're like, I should have done that earlier. But I have a junior in high school, and it's too late. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is, your, this is our job, to do what's best for them. And pa- parents, let's say one more thing. They will do as you do. They'll do as you do. So set the example and be fully present where your feet are. To experience true relational connection, we must be where our feet are. So here's my question for you. Is the device in your hand preventing you from being fully present where your feet are? And I know it is for many of us. Well, in what ways can you begin to practice a sacred pause? Listen, you don't have to take any next steps with this message. But what I know about you, because I know it's what we all have in common, is that you desire true relational connection. That will never happen if you're living in a concentrated state of distraction because of this. So I encourage you to take the next step and begin incorporating the practice of sacred pause. If you do, I can't guarantee you'll experience true relational connection with everyone you want to. But I can guarantee you'll begin to interact in a more healthy way with the people that you are with. And you already know that would help grow that relationship or deepen that relationship or improve that relationship or maybe even heal that relationship. Let me pray. Dear Lord, um, it's very weird to preach about cell phones, but they consume so much of our lives, and they're causing us to be distracted in so many ways from connecting relationally with you and with others. It's just impacting us negatively in so many ways. So Lord, I pray, whatever way that, even if we're (laughs) wanting to just ignore some of this, whatever way maybe we feel stirred to take a next step, I pray we take that next step with this that we're more relationally present where our feet are. Lord, through that, I pray that we just truly begin to experience a better connection in those relationships. Lord, for anyone who's never put their faith in you and they felt a stirring today, Jesus, to do that, to enter into that saving relationship with you, I pray that right now whether they're at at home or in this room, they choose to do that, that right now they choose to put their faith in you. They confess their need for a savior because their violation of sin broke their relationship with you, Holy Creator God. And then this moment, they declare Jesus, they believe you are the Savior, that you can forgive them for their sins, that you can provide them from eternal life, that you can restore that broken relationship because of your death and resurrection. And now, Jesus, in this moment, I pray that they ask you to be their Savior. They enter into this relationship with you through faith in you, asking you to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life, their Lord, their God. 
pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, real quick before we roll up on out of here. Uh, if that's you, if you're someone today who put your faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and lead your life, this is a big day. This is an awesome day. We want to celebrate with you today by giving you one of these relevant Bibles. Uh, so if you're in the room, stop by the Next Step area on your way out. Say, I put my faith in Jesus today. They'll hand you one of these. If that weirds you out or you're watching online, just text the word Jesus to 55444. We'll mail you one of these Bibles.